Before history is written, it's played. Before it's frozen in time, it's fought one shift at a time. Before it's etched in silver, it's carved in ice. What happens next will last forever. The Stanley Cup Final on ABC and ESPN Plus begins Saturday. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. August 16th, and you're tuned into the Cleveland Baseball Talk podcast. I'm Joe Noga, joined by Paul Hoynes, our tri beat writer. Hoynesy, you, you've still not seen a perfect game or a no hitter <laughs> in, in, thrown by an Indians pitcher in all your years of covering this team. Uh, Kristen McKenzie came pretty darn close on Sunday, four outs away from a perfecto uh, that would have been the first since Len Barker. Uh, what was your takeaway from, from that outing by Tristan McKenzie? Yeah, just a, a great start by McKenzie. Joe, you think about this guy. Um, he's a rookie, still, you know, classified as a rookie. He's been, he's bounced between Cleveland and Columbus five times this year. And uh, he just, you know, he just, you know, they scored a bunch of runs early. So that pressure was off, but he, he just rolled. I, I thought for sure he was going to get it. I, I really felt uh, strongly that he was, he was right there and he, what he, retires 23 straight and then loses it to, uh, to Harold uh, Castro on a single to right, but right field, at least it was a clean single. There was no doubt about it, but uh, just a, just a great performance. And, you know, and a, um, you know, it just, it, 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 it gives you, it lets you look a little, it lets you look a little farther down the road, you know, with this rotation, if, if Beaver and Savali and police can stay healthy, you know, Quantrill has made a, you know, quantum leap this year and then you've got McKenzie sitting there Eli Morgan you know a couple other guys so you know this rotation could be uh, you know this could, they could be a handful in, in 2022 and and that's sort of the the thing is you, you're looking at this in terms of the future but but right now Tristan McKenzie has sort of rediscovered that stuff that um that made him effective and, and gave everybody sort of that optimism at the end of last year when he came up and, and was pitching effectively, uh, that was sort of the hope was that he would continue that right from the, from the jump this year. That wasn't the case. It, it took him a little while to come around, but you know, once, once something clicked the last like four starts, he's been, he's been pretty solid that he's not the same guy who was, was walking four or five guys at a, at a clip and couldn't get out of the first two innings. Yeah. He is really, uh, you know, this, since the last call up, he has, uh, you know, I think, uh, five of his last six starts have been quality starts, you know, six innings, three or fewer runs. I think he's only walked about, you know, six guys in, in, you know, in close to 35 innings in those starts. And that was the thing that, that got him sent down to, you know, that, that kind of threw him off his game. 
And, you know, he's not throwing that hard, Joe. He's not, it's not like he's throwing 98 miles an hour. You know, he's throwing right around 92, 93 miles an hour. But, you know, as, as DeMarlo Hale said, he's, he's using all his pitches for a change. You know, he's not just throwing that fastball at the top of the strike zone and, and, and the slider. He's, he's mixing the curveball. You know, he's mixing, uh, I think, a change up. But, but, you know, it's, it's basically, you know, fastball, curveball, slider. You know, and he's, I think he's using all those pitches. And, uh, you know, DeMarlo said he got strikeouts in all three pitches last night, yesterday. And, and all, every one of his 11 strikeouts were swinging, Joe. So he had the uh, Tigers in swing mode. And, and if you remember, you know, the Tigers were the team he made his big league debut against. And I think he struck out 10 guys in six innings in that game. So he has a good vibe going there against, against that team. Yeah, that's, uh, it's probably... Uh, real comfortable for him to see uh, a, a Detroit batter step into the box uh, against him. And, and like you said, that fastball location, that fastball command, yesterday he was pinpoint. He, he was hitting spots, and he could throw – he could put a ball anywhere he needed to yesterday. And that really is the difference. When he can do that, he can go to work with those secondary pitches and, and get batters out. And, and he's been effective, like you said, the last like five or six outings. Uh, exciting to see. Not the first time an Indians pitcher has flirted with uh, a no-hitter or a, a perfect game no-hitter. Uh, back on May 14th in Seattle, uh, Zach Plesak went out there and had himself a game. Uh, Plesak took a no-hitter into the eighth inning in that game. I believe J.P. Crawford, the, the Mariners shortstop, uh, broke that up, leading off the eighth inning, very similar to the way that uh, McKenzie – uh, had his uh, his perfect game broken up. Uh, actually, I think it was a, a sharp single to right field, uh, just like the the, the McKenzie no no. Uh, so I ask you this right now: uh, of the pitchers right now currently on the roster, who who's got the best chance of throwing a no hitter, uh, either for the remainder of this year, this year twenty twenty one, the the year of the no hitter, or even next year or sometime later on down the road. Well, that's a great question. You know, I still have to go with Bieber, I think, you know, as long as a healthy Bieber, you know, let's quantify that. But I think he's, you know, the most mature pitcher. He's probably got the most command of all his pitches when he's right. You know, uh, we haven't seen that from him yet, but uh, I think he's got a chance. I think that I, that's, that's who I'd bet on. Yeah, I'd go, I'd go with Savali just because I think uh, he's got uh I don't want to say more weapons than probably not more weapons than Bieber, but before he got hurt, the way he was going, he was in total control of every pitch that he could throw. I think we've seen flashes from Savali where he could go out there and, and he's also a guy who doesn't give in to hitters. You know, he, uh, he, he will stay around the zone, doesn't walk guys and, you know, makes you hit his pitch. So uh, I think Savali would be a, a strong candidate for a, um, a, a no hitter at some point in his career, if not with the Indians. Uh, yeah, that's a good point. That's a good point. Uh, and he likes that moment, you know, Joe, he likes to, he likes the spotlight. He likes to be, you know, the guy that kind of comes out of nowhere and, and does the impossible. Right. Uh, we talk about that series in Detroit over the weekend. Uh, one thing we're not talking about right now on Monday morning, and we were hoping to, to sort of be there. And DeMarlo Hale was certainly hoping that that would, would be the case. 
Uh, he was hoping that we wouldn't be talking about Miguel Cabrera sitting on his 500th home run uh, after that series. The Indians and their pitchers went out of their way to make sure Miguel Cabrera did not get num- number 500 against them. Yeah, they, they did a great job against them, Joe. Uh, starting, you know, in Cleveland in that three-game series earlier this month, you know, they limited him to uh, to two singles, two hits, you know, through the – through the you know, through the uh, – well, he he only played five of the six games because he didn't play last Sunday in Cleveland, but uh, you know he they, they did a they, and they they did a good job against him and they they kind of made a pact with themselves that they weren't going to be the guys to give up his 500th home run. You know he came into Cleveland needing two, uh, he was at 498. He they uh, then the Tigers went to Baltimore. He got 499 there. And uh, A.J. Hinch kept him out of the lineup in Boston. I mean, in Baltimore to get him to have him give him a chance to do it at home against the Indians. And it didn't happen. And, you know, I guess if if, you know, I I wonder what the odds were in Vegas, because, you know, the Indians, he's hit 50 home runs, as we've said before, against the Indians, the most home runs he has against any team. So if he was going to do it, he was going to, you know, the odds are he was going to do it against the tribe. But, uh, you know, from starters to relievers. You know, they, they shut, they shut Miggy down. Yeah. Not an easy thing to do because he's a guy who, even if you're trying to take a tactical approach to him and, and whatever, he can still hit pitches away out of the park that he's made a career of it. So, you know, you, you can't just stay away from him and expect to be successful. He's a, he's a guy who can hurt you all over the ballpark. Uh, interesting reaction that the, uh, the crowd had there. Uh, when uh, Blake Parker uh, hit him with a pitch, <laughs> sort of, sort of erased one of the uh, the potential at bats there. Uh, he, I don't think uh, Parker intended to hit him. You certainly don't ever want to hit a guy, put him on base, but uh, the, the crowd sort of let him know about it, huh? Yeah, and I was talking to Blake Parker. He hit him in the uh, fifth inning Sunday. I mean Saturday night, and uh, the crowd. I mean the crowds were great in Detroit, Joe. They were, you know, they were into the games every time. Uh, Cabrera came up, they were standing and cheering. It was, it really felt, it was really a good atmosphere. And, uh, and, you know, so in the fifth inning, he come, Miggy's leading off the inning uh, and, uh, and Parker hits him with a fastball. I mean, pits him with a pitch, a two, one pitch trying to go inside. And Parker said, you know, I, I didn't want, that's the last thing I wanted to do. You know, I told Miggy that's on me. He goes, uh, and he said it ate at him all night, you know, the, after he left the game. And he, he said some of his uh, teammates were kidding him and saying, you're going to need a bodyguard to get out of the ballpark because <laughs> the fans were booing him so bad. Yeah, the, the crowds up in Detroit this weekend were great. They had a had a jersey giveaway on Saturday, and I, I believe they, um, uh, you know, the, the crowds were, like, lined up down the street to get in uh, on, on Saturday afternoon. I, I saw that with my own eyes, but. Uh, just, just a really good atmosphere. I think it was, uh, it was also like Latin heritage night there at the ballpark. Right. And so they had the, uh, the, the sort of the feeling of like one of those fall ball or fall, fall league, uh, games where the, you know, the fans are dancing and, and chanting in the stands and it's sort of a, a pretty neat environment. It'd be interesting to see the Indians do something like that, especially with the predominance of, of Latin players that they have on the team, uh, maybe to do, uh, a night where they, you know, they play that kind of music and they sort of try and recreate that environment as well. 
Yeah, the Tigers always do that. And it seems like the Indians are up there for a lot of those games when they do that. They kind of, you know, the Latin heritage uh, um, nights where they honor all the, uh, you know, the, the, the players from, uh, you know, South America and, uh, uh, you know, from the Latin countries. And it's, it's cool. You know, the salsa, salsa music is blaring. It, it, it's, a, it's a fun atmosphere. Well, and, and you you went to the games in uh, Puerto Rico, so uh, that that could be the, the couple of years back uh, against the Twins. Yeah, that could probably be you know most closely associated with, with that that sort of feeling, and you know it's uh, it's a lot of excitement, a lot of fun at, at the ballpark when they do those. Yeah, and you know I re- it reminded me of uh, in 1994, a long time ago. I went to uh, I went to Puerto Rico, Puerto Rico, and the Dominican for winter ball. That was a season where they had the strike and there was no postseason. And uh, we did a bunch of stories from down there on, on the Indians players down there uh, in Puerto Rico and in the Dominican and the baseball is crazy down there. It, it is really fun. They really have a lot of fun. It's, it's, there's a, you know, a, a vibe in the air that is, you know, that you don't really get, you know, on a Sunday afternoon in Cleveland. So it's, 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 it, it has, it's baseball with an edge almost. Uh, we'll be uh, we'll be looking forward to all these all these different venues and different things. Uh, l- looking forward to later on at the end of this week, uh, are going to head to Williamsport for the Little League Classic, where the Indians are going to play the Angels on Sunday night baseball. And uh, all the little leaguers will be there. The Indians players will be on the field with them, and uh, should be a lot of fun as well. We'll uh, we'll get into previewing that more and and telling a few stories here uh, as we're as we're digging around to preview it uh, later on this week. But uh, just keep that in mind that uh, it's definitely coming up. Uh, the Indians and Shohei Otani and the Angels all uh, all at uh, Crosscutter Stadium in uh, Williamsport uh, later on this week. There's never been a better time to register for Indian subtext and get all your Cleveland Indians news with updates from Cleveland.com reporters Paul Hoynes and Joe Noga. Get on board now by going to joinsubtext.com slash Cleveland Indians. Our subscriber-based service gives you the latest news, analysis, and more from the Indians. For $3.99 a month, you get everything we're hearing from the team and the first word before things are announced. We text you big breaking news directly to your phone, even before it's up on cleveland.com. And you can text us directly with your questions and opinions on everything from the team's name to that day's lineup. And it's the only way to get your questions and comments on the Cleveland Baseball Talk podcast. Why sign up? Hear from one of our subscribers. I'm uh, Jeff Heinerson. I grew up there in Milan, Ohio, but I now live out in Idaho. I've been here for 40 years and uh, my son was born and raised here and I got him as a birthday present, uh, your subtext. And I wanted to thank Paul for sending him a birthday greeting and to tell you that he is really enjoying the subtext. He even he's not from Ohio, but because he grew up with me, he's hardcore Indian fan. So thanks again. Jeff and all of our Indian subtext subscribers agree. There's a lot going on with the Indians and the best way to keep up is with Indian subtext. Go to joinsubtext.com slash Cleveland Indians or better yet, text Hoinsey at 216-208-4346. Again, that's 216-208-4346. We look forward to hearing from you on Indian subtext. All right. Uh, we need to uh, some other housekeeping. Uh, the other sort of big news, I guess, uh, not necessarily concerning the Indians, but kind of uh, uh, the story from the Washington Post uh, breaks about a 
a young woman in the Cleveland area who sought a restraining order back in 2017-2018 uh, uh, when Trevor Bauer was still pitching for the Indians uh, against Trevor Bauer. Of course, he currently is facing uh, an investigation uh, in Southern California about you know, potential domestic violence charges or, or abuse in some way. Uh, again, things, things not looking good for Trevor Bauer in any way. This just sort of adds more gasoline to the fire. Yeah, Joe, let me ask you this. Do you think he's, he's going to pitch this season? Will, will we see him on the mound again this season? I don't, I don't think there's any way we can. He's, he's still on a uh, administrative suspension, and that seemed to be getting renewed for uh, an extended for another week. Every, every other week you look up, there's another uh, you know, notification coming across that he's uh, on administrative leave. He's still getting paid by the Dodgers. He's not pitching. He's not around the team. Uh, I don't see how there's a way that you could get him back and get him ready to be on a major league mound in, in, in any amount of time to be effective at the end of this season. Yeah. And the Dodgers just, uh, traded for, uh, uh, Mad Max, uh, Scherzer. Mm -hmm. So, you know, it's not like they have a crying need for starting pitching. It's, it's really, a, a you know, it's, it's, you know, I, I feel bad for the, you know, the, the women in this, in this case and, 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 uh, you know, Bauer, I mean, this is just a, uh, such a kind of a sordid affair, you know, just a, and this guy, you know, say what you want about him. And I've had my differences with him, but he is a talented guy and he's made himself, made himself into a Cy Young winner. And now it could be, it could be all gone. You know, I yeah. mean, who, who wants to take this on this kind of baggage on even past this season? Well, and the things that we're hearing from, uh, you know, teammates or, you know, whispers out of the clubhouse in Los Angeles is that they don't want him back. So the guys that he was, he was in the clubhouse with, they, they, they've moved on from him almost. And that's kind of strange to say, this is a guy that you, you gave him what the richest three-year deal in the history of baseball uh, when you, when you signed him in the off season. And now, uh, you know, his, his time with you might be over before even a full season is, is finished. Uh, irregardless of that, there's still, you know, victims out there who, who, might have allegedly have been, you know, abused by this guy in, in some way, shape or form. Uh, and we can't even talk about baseball. That This is a human thing. This is a guy who shouldn't be, uh, you know, allowed out there if this is what the case is. Uh, and you can, he's real good at twisting things and explaining things away and, you know, having reasons behind everything. But at the end of the day, there's, there's two women who are claiming that, he, you know, laid his hands on them. And that's, that's not cool. Yeah, definitely. And, you know, he is really, he's come out on Twitter, you know, after what, six weeks of, you know, social media silence to defend himself in, in, uh, against the Washington Post story. So we'll see where that goes. But I just, uh, you know, I just, if you're a team, you know, baseball teams can put up with a lot as long as you're a talented player. But if you, but if in this environment, you know, the way things have been going, uh, you know, with women's rights and the Me Too movement, you know, how does a team even, you know, try to, you know, sell this guy to their fans next year or where, wherever it is? You know, I think it's, 
you know, we, we could see the end of his career. And if a team does sign him or if the Dodgers do bring him back, think of what a public relations nightmare that would be. Right. That's like trying to bring Michael Vick back after he was, you know, in the, in prison for, for dog fighting and the, the folks that came out and protested that you're going to get that 10 times worse if you try and sign him and, and bring him out there. Uh, every game he, he goes out to pitch, you're going to see protests and, and uh, just ugliness. Um, and you probably deservedly so. All right. Uh, you know, not the, not the most uh, uplifting way to, to end a podcast here, but Hoinsey, you're at, uh, you're in Minnesota. What are we expecting uh, this series from the, the Indians uh, and really the, the twins they've, they've sold off all their pieces They're They've got nothing left. What are they fighting for right now? Yeah, I think uh, the Indians are fighting for second place and the, the twins are playing great. They, you know, they, they, they took a series from the Yankees. They took a, they just took two out of three from the Rays. And I think they took, uh, took a series from uh, Toronto, you know, three playoff contenders. So the twins are on are rolling here and uh, the Indians are trying to hold off the Tigers uh, for second place. I, you know, I think, but you've got two teams that I think a lot more was expected from this season, especially the twins who were the defending, uh, you know, division champions. And they've just had a miserable season, but, but they're, pl- they might be playing their best baseball of the year right now. Well, that's the case. All right, Hoynes, we'll look forward to your coverage of this three game series before an off day. And then the Indians come home at the end of the week to uh, take on the angels. We'll talk to you again on Tuesday here on the Cleveland Baseball Talk Podcast. All right, Joe. 